right, we are live. Everyone, welcome to Logistics of Marketing, the branding episode. Today, we have Blythe and Paul with us, uh, the Freight Caviar and Digital Dispatch. Um, so before we dive in, guys, let me just kind of set the some groundworks, right? Why does Logistics of Marketing exist? Okay, so we started Logistics of Marketing a few months back because really we had a passion of bringing perspectives from the industry together around some key topics that continue to bubble up and come to the surface. So one of those topics today that we're discussing is branding. Branding has become ever important in our landscape, uh, whether you're a freight tech company to a 3PL. um, As our industry evolves, branding is one of those words that we hear a ton. So we brought Blythe with us and Paul. Um, So why don't you guys give us a a uh, quick intro, uh, starting with Blythe. Um, who are you and what's your background? Sure. So a little bit of my background is uh, about 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, I worked as an executive assistant at A3PL. I had a sports and entertainment blog on the side. And when my boss found out about what I was doing, he asked me to handle all of their marketing and website development. Um, so that was sort of my crash course into 3PL asset-based marketing, mm-hmm. um, really in the early stages. And we were the second com- second logistics company ever on HubSpot's platform. Um, so very, very new. Um, but all of those skills learned all that time ago has led to my role today, uh, business owner of digitaldispatch.io. I help companies uh, get online and grow. So from marketing strategy to also uh, building out websites and making sure that they look pretty and they function. There we go. That's awesome. And Paul, give us give us a background, man. Uh, sure. So I grew up in Chicago, uh, graduated U of I in 2015. My, my buddy got me a job working for a freight brokerage in Lincolnwood. Uh, worked there for a year. Then I transferred or transitioned to Everest out in Evanston. Um, and Everest sent me out to Ukraine. So I opened up an outsourced uh, freight brokerage in Ukraine. Spent three years of my life there. Uh, a year and a half ago, I, I quit uh, my job and moved to Poland. That's when I started Freight Caviar. I've had some, some cool success with Freight Caviar, and I've just been having fun with it. Uh, I just recently accepted the head of content marketing position at Warp. Awesome. So uh, I'm doing that with alongside Ray Caviar. Wonderful. Cool. And then Nick, why don't you give an intro? Yeah. So uh, I'm Nick, one of the co-founders of Kinetic. And we are basically consulting, but for freight tech companies, our deal is we help tech companies get their products to market more quickly and with better adoption, um, basically offering fractional sub- support services in sales, marketing, and customer success. Wonderful. And uh, I'm Zach Ramirez. I'll be hosting uh, this episode today. And I work for a company called Dexia, and we are a full-service marketing agency that kind of bridges the gap between uh, you know freight companies, 3PLs, freight tech, um, and getting into marketing and understanding it and diving in. So what's really cool about today is we have so many different perspectives in the room, and I'm really excited to dive in and talk about branding because it really is an important topic that bleeds into growth strategy, marketing strategy, um, even personal branding and how that should be uh, looked at. So Nick, why don't you give us a little bit of the landscape and then we'll dive into some questions with Blythe and Paul. Yeah, absolutely. So like Zach said, today's topic is branding. And personally, I feel like branding has always been an important topic in logistics. I mean, there are certain companies who have done such a good job that like, if you see a rhino on a shirt, you know exactly what broker you're talking to. If you Mm -hmm. see 
an orange trailer driving down the road, you know exactly what what carrier that is. If you see a guy with an orange shirt and a backwards hat doing a podcast, you got a pretty good idea who's doing that <laughs> podcast too. Um, but branding is about a lot more than just colors and logos. And today we're going to dive in a bit deeper and hopefully give people some actual like actionable takeaways. Yeah. So to kick things off, uh, Blythe, we'll throw the first kind of broad question out to you and bounce around. Like, what is branding and why is it important? I think that's sort of the common definition of branding is what people say when you're not in the room. But I think that branding is sort of a conscious decision that you make yourself. And it might take a while to get there. But from my my process of creating content over the last, like, I don't know, 10 plus years has been to define three to four buckets of content that I want to be known for. And that's, you know, content marketing, and that's website design. And, you know, um, I'm blanking on the other two, but those four different content buckets of what I want to be known for content marketing being one of them. That's what I try to focus primarily on. And I realize that those three things, you can go very deep on each of those three topics. And you could go deep on them for a very long time. And uh, as far as like, you know, sourcing what you're going to talk about online, because that's also an important aspect to it. Because if you're not talking about the things that you want to be known for, then you can't really build a brand that is a real business out of that in order to generate revenue. I mean, there's other social media platforms that you can talk about your favorite foods and, you know, your favorite artists and things like that. And you might be able to make a little bit of money in in that regard. But when you start getting into the B2B space and start getting into, um, you know, some of the markets that, that we find ourselves in, you really have to be known for really probably two to three things for, I would say max. So that's what, what branding, means to me love that awesome paul like what about from your perspective like what does branding mean to you you know it's interesting because i I never like graduated from like a marketing degree this is like my first first official job doing marketing but for me like branding is like having like what do you want to associate with uh like like what do you what do you want your company to associate with uh so like for me like free caviar like it's, it's humor. It's kind of like entertainment for the industry. Uh, so when people hear free caviar, they're most likely going to be like, oh, it's something, you know, to put a smile on their face. Like they're just, they're, they might smile. They might be happy about it. Uh, it's interesting because I actually just put out a clip from my talk with the freight coach um, at the TIA conference. And he's got the whole brand image, like you said, Nick, with the backwards trucker hat, <laughs> the orange uh, Under Armour polo. And it's just so easy to associate those things with him. And when you see my TIA, he just sticks out. Like he, everyone could see that that's the freight coach. And so with, with branding, um, I, I would say like, it's important to like associate your, your company with something specific. Like uh, I, I know some companies like to associate themselves with being like happy or like yeah. uh, this might not be logistics related, but just kind of easy going. And uh, I mean, that's kind of like where I would, take branding. Uh, that might not be the correct definition, but it's the way I see it from my lens. Um, so I, I would say definitely like you want to, you should choose maybe like some kind of like associations, you know, whether it's uh, being educational in logistics mm-hmm. or being entertaining in logistics or, uh, and have people when they, when they hear your name, your brand, they know right away that this is what you're talking about. This is the subject. So yeah. that's the way I see it. 
Yeah, it. I mean, it is so interesting because I feel like this word branding, right, it is so relative, both to like the industry or like even like the spaces, right? Whether you're B2B or B2C, like branding takes a different shape and form, right? So, you know, something, you know, that, you know, Nick and I have talked about in the past is like in marketing, right? We have words, we have visuals, we have sound. So like, you know, shouldn't branding be like how people see you, understand you and like hear you and like what it makes them feel like afterwards. So um, I think it'll be fun to dive into like some of those uh, those nuances today um, in, you know, even how it relates to, you know, how we've experienced branding in the space. So that's really cool. Um, so kind of in that same vein, um, you know, Blythe, I'd like to ask, you know, brand identity, right? It's a word that we hear, right? You know, how do we identify with a brand? Like, how do we even start shaping that? So, you know, as, you know, maybe even as you've launched like Digital Dispatch, right? Like, what are some of those things? What are some of the questions that you ask when trying to shape your brand identity? Oh, that's a good question because it's, I feel like it's, it's something that takes so long to figure out. And a lot of people, especially when you're, you're building a website, because when you're building a website, I was just talking to somebody yesterday um, who's a freight broker or a freight agent, and he is crafting the messaging for his new website. Mm-hmm. And he's getting really intimidated and almost like in his own head that he feels like he has to know exactly who he is right now. He has to have that business plan mapped out for the next five years um, because he has to take all of that insight and then put it onto his website. And I think too often we find ourselves in a place where we're overthinking it. And I think that that is one of the more challenging things about trying to identify what your voice is going to be. But there's sort of just three frameworks that you can sort of work around when you want other people to know about what you stand for. And one of those frameworks is called the KLT method. And that's what you, your knowledge, um, what you like and love, and then also the, the trust factor. So where you're, you're vulnerable. So having that framework, then you can fit in what your voice is going to be, whether it's entertainment, whether it's educational, whether it's inspirational. So those three main topics that people resonate with, filtering that into, you know, a framework like the KLT method where, you know, 70% of what you post online, and these don't have to be exact numbers, but 70% of what you post online is within your knowledge bucket of what you know and the, the what you want other people to take away from. Then the 20% is what you like and what you love. So that makes you relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, with me, like I, you know, I'm a, a big Jaguars fan and, you know, to a fault, <laughs> I love that team. And so I try to talk about them not a lot, which is kind of challenging as a former sports broadcaster. Uh, but then the 10% of the time are when I'm vulnerable. So when, you know, this is how I messed up with this thing, what you can mm-hmm. learn from my mistakes. So thinking about it in, you know, that framework that helps you to craft kind of funnel the messages that you want to talk about and then yeah. into a framework that, and like I said, it doesn't have to be exact science, but as long as, you know, what you're, the majority of the messaging that you're sharing falls within that knowledge bucket of what you want other people to be made aware of. I think that that's how you figure out your voice along the way. It's not something that I think that you have it all figured out right away, even right now, but it could be something, you know, in the future that you really hone in on. Yeah. That's awesome. I I think that's, 
just like a, a personal anecdote from my experience. I mean, one of our like things at Kinetic is like industry education. And it definitely took me a little while to fall into that particular niche. I mean, if you look at some of my earlier content, I've got stuff about like my, my home gym and my garage. We've got my kids on there, like building Legos and stuff like that. So it took me some trial and error, but, but yeah, I really like how you phrased that. Yeah. yeah. If I could just add in real quick, when I, when I first started free caviar, it was actually called shipping pallets <laughs> and I've never thought of it as any form of business. It was just for fun. I just quit my job. I, I just had knee surgery and I was laying on my bed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna just I'm gonna try to get ten thousand followers. That was a goal. And I never like ever thought that I would have a business out of it or have like a huge following. But it, it transitioned over time. I went from posting like really stupid stuff just to get people's attention to kind of cultivating a brand and changing my my name along the way. And I think companies do the same thing where when you first start, you're very scrappy. You kind of utilize all everything you can. And then uh, if you're successful, you have some money and you could reinvest that to, to create maybe a better image or invest yeah. into marketing to, to look better. But uh, like as, as White said about this guy that he, he wants to have everything figured out, it's, it's like that's, that's the last thing that you should be thinking about right now. Just, just start right now, mm-hmm. do something, uh, create some content, get it out there, yeah. and then it's going to develop along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Do- I was going to say, doing something is always going to be better than doing nothing, Facts. right? If you just sit there doing nothing, there's going to be no progress whatsoever. You figure it out along the way, because if you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out everything at once, you're, there's no way that five-year plan is go, going to go ahead the way you want it to go. It's going to change up depending on the yeah. circumstances that get thrown at you. So, the fear yeah. of perfection is like everybody's biggest hurdle. Like if you mm-hmm. wait until it's perfect to post something or create something, then you've waited too long. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that imposter syndrome definitely, you know, comes into that. So, so let's, let's dive into that part a little bit. And I want to follow up with you, Paul, on this, because, you know, you're, you're mentioning like this trial and error, you know, type of, of thing, right? Like we're always learning, we're just kind of trying things. So, you know, as, as you've built Freight Caviar, right? Like, you know, when we were talking, you know, a couple of days ago, you said like, yeah, I'm still learning. And, you know, I said, that's, that's so cool to hear because, there's people that would look at the freight caviar brand and be like, Oh dude, that guy must have some knowledge that like I don't have. And like, you know, right. So can you dive into a little bit of that line of like, you know, as, as you're building a brand, like what are, what are some of the things that you have to trial and error? And then like, how do you make it recognizable and like meaningful? Right. Sure. Um, so I actually heard this on like Gary Vee, but I hear it all the time. It's about like starting really niche and then branching out. Mm-hmm. Kind of, well, uh, for me, like I started just doing, I guess, completely just like freight broker stuff. Um, and then uh, if you could just like, real quickly repeat part of the question, just so like, I don't go on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, right now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. So like give us, give us a peer behind the curtain to like what some of that trial and error yeah. looks like. And how you turn that into something that's like recognizable and meaningful, right? Sure. Like the output on the other end. Definitely. So what I what I first focused on was just memes, absolutely memes. It's like the only thing, something humor related, nothing else. And when I started getting some traction there, um, I think I started the, the podcast like ten months after I started like the actual memes, and I was like, I have all these people reaching out to me. They're liking my memes. I might as well just connect with the industry mm. uh, to learn from them. And for, for me, it was uh, more or less like it, I never planned this in the beginning, right? Like we, we mentioned earlier, this was kind of 
everything like I have ideas I that come up I come up with along the way. And so like I guess for the learn the process is just to be really in it. I don't know, mm-hmm. like it's it's difficult to to say more, but it's I, I I keep having continuous ideas like what I what I want Free Tiger to be. And um I keep on working at it and I keep what I would say to anyone is just to connect with the industry, especially like for me, it was really easy to connect with the industry because I already had people following me through Freight Caviar and I was like, let's just start talking to these people. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a process and it's all about, I would say definitely just be really niche in the beginning and then you could eventually branch out to where I have supposedly a pretty large following from European logistics on my LinkedIn because I had a few posts go viral and I look at these people and they're like, working mm-hmm. in Poland and Germany and, and Netherlands. And it's like, it's pretty cool. Like I never, ever imagined I would have anyone from the European industry following me. So that's cool. Yeah. I like that. So um, a question to both of you, uh, you know, this through line of imposter syndrome, right? What are some of the ways that you guys try to break imposter syndrome? Like when you feel that creeping in, right? We're trying new things. We're doing some trial and error. Are there anything that like, are there people that you reach out to? Is there like a method you have to try to like break that imposter syndrome down? I guess we'll start with you, Blythe. <laughs> um, it's tough. I mean, I, it really, I, especially when I, cause I, I've been in the logistics world for a while, but I was never a broker. So I didn't know, especially firsthand, a lot of how, until I started, you know, covering content for freight waves, I I never understood sort of the nuances. And I still don't really understand a lot of the nuances among just the greater supply chain. And it took me a while to sort of get out of, I guess, the you know, wanting to be seen as like this businesswoman and really embracing the fact that I don't know a lot of this stuff. And I think that educational journey is just sort of a, it's something that a lot of us in freight go through because there are brokers that I talk to that they don't know anything about, you know, being a driver. Drivers don't really know anything about being a broker. So sharing that educational experience among the different fragments of the logistics and just supply chain industry overall, I think becoming to, or coming to a place where I can embrace that I don't know as much as I like to think that I know. And then sharing that insight. I I have a series that I've been um, editing for TikTok that explains like super basic stuff that I think a lot of people understand. Like, where did the term drayage come from? Uh, You know, Ryan Peterson, CEO of Flexport, he broke this down on an episode of Odd Lots. And I just found that so fascinating that there are these different phrases for this historic industry that have been around for so long. So for me, like it's really just been about embracing what I don't know and then sharing that insight with other people. Cause I think that from a marketing perspective, there are a lot of folks in my same exact shoes Mm. where they're trying, they don't know anything about freight and they get hired on at a job and they're supposed to know all the nuances of this industry and they don't. And so I think embracing what I don't know has really helped over the last, you know, couple of years. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like that's definitely like a freeing thing to just say, like, okay, cool. Now I get to ask questions. <laughs> Teach me. Yeah. Stay curious. Yeah, that's really cool. What about for you, Paul? Uh, for me, um, I guess it's I'm, – I'm not afraid of looking bad or maybe looking kind of like maybe like I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm trying to get at-bats at everything I do because I know like 
I've seen my continuous improvement throughout my life. Like the first phone calls I made as a freight broker were awful. Like I was anxious. I was just really bad at communicating stuff. And then throughout the years, I just got really good at it. And I was, I was really comfortable with talking to people. And like, I remember like my first podcast, I was like really anxious and nervous. I'm like, all right, these are just the at bats. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, yeah. and I don't really care what anyone thinks about me. Uh, I like myself. So it's like, I don't like it. whatever I put out there that people don't like. It's like, that's great. And even like to build on that, like I've learned to really like, like people like that, like sometimes do hate on me or whatever that the case might yeah. be. Like, even though I, I have a lot of people that like me, but um, at the end of the day, it's like, it's, I'm just, I'm just having fun and I'm, I'm awesome. on this, like, yeah, I'm on this adventure and I'm learning through it and I'm developing myself. So yeah. to me, so like Paul, a lot of what, like resonates with me uh, from your content it, it is similar to how I kind of approach things personally. It, it's similar to Blythe's too, but like I approach it more of like leaning really heavily into what I do know, like while also embracing what I don't know. Like I don't know anything about marketing or branding. Like this is Zach's expertise, but I know a lot about logistics and I lean heavily into like operational brokerage. Hmm. And to me, like your content strikes a chord with me because of how well you clearly yeah. know the brokerage arena and it, it comes through in your content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, th- there's like an important element too that I think like we're kind of circling around, right? Like we can, we can be experts in a space, but we can also still be like learners in mm-hmm. another space. And the more that you can like live into both of those and like your identity and like where you're at in that journey, while also leveraging like networking and just saying like, Hey, like I'm not the expert in that, but like, here's, here's this person, right? Like it becomes such a, a freeing exchange like in I almost feel like we've seen some of that uncover like in the past years as it relates to you know new content entering in or like even marketing and the understanding of that so it's really cool <clears throat> so on on that same line right so let's dive a little bit into the content marketing side okay because I feel I feel like as uh, people have learned a little bit more about marketing or even you know brokers and freight tech companies have experimented with marketing, Content marketing has like a new light that's shed on it. Um, so, you know, Blythe, I'd like to ask, um, you know, what are some of the things that when people are approaching content marketing, what what parts of their brand or brand identity should they be considering when they're approaching a content marketing strategy? I would say first and foremost, talk to your customers and mm-hmm. not in the, you know, where's my load or, you know, it was delivered, not in that lens, but what were you struggling with before you picked up the phone and became a customer of ours or, mm-hmm. or you, we began working together. And I think that that is a fundamental place where not just, you know, freight companies, but just uh, companies in all industries, they would just be so much better served if they talk to their customers mm-hmm. and on a regular basis, you know, that the companies that are, are doing this now, they're knowing the verbiage, you know, we, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but the, the language barrier, the acronyms and the things that go on and are said in this industry, especially for a newcomer, can be really challenging. And just think how challenging it is on the customer side of things who doesn't get all the jargon that is yeah. being used on a regular basis. And so by being having those customer conversations, then what you're doing is you're getting those those real world, you know, I, I have what's called a lingo library, where every time I'm on a sales call, I will write down or I'll type out the exact verbiage of what my prospects are using. And they'll say, you know, what, 
does my website have SEO? And so those kind of questions that are just a no brainer to me, I know that I can use that verbiage, that exact sentence on my website and yeah. my marketing copies, social media, um, you know, any kind of content planning in the future, I can use that exact verbiage because then I'm speaking in the language that the prospect yeah. is speaking. And then I can relay that because if they're using that same information that they're speaking to me, then likely other people are doing so as well. So I think that talking to your customers is one of the hands down the most important things that you can do before you even think about coming up with a content marketing strategy, because then that those conversations that you have are going to affect your website. And if you don't have your website dialed in to where you're collecting leads yeah. on the site itself, then you're going to waste a lot of time and a lot of energy on content marketing and advertising that just won't convert. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's super important, you know, to think through the funnels or the, you know, the customer journey rather, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's somebody's going to be going down. Um, so yeah, I mean, super valuable input there. Um, you know, P Paul from, from, Oh, go ahead, man. Yeah. I just want to build on that. Cause like, uh, life, life talked about talking to customers. I talked to my followers to see like what they want mm -hmm. and what kind of questions they want me to ask in the podcast, like stuff like that. Yes. So utilizing that network is so powerful. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that was going to be my exact question. So like, you know, you're you're very content forward brand right so like you know outside of just you know looking at you know dms or like sending somebody a dm or like asking them directly are there mechanisms that you guys you know use in you know marketing tools let's say that can help you do that like is it engagements impressions like what are what are some of the other tools that you guys are utilizing to really hear your audience let's start with you paul what tools am i utilizing yeah um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I used to really care about like engagement. Uh, I used to always check like all that stuff. And nowadays, I, I don't know, I, I, I just don't have time to, to actually like really care. I just like if I have something and I want to post it, I post it. Um, and I guess for the longest time, I used to check it all the time. How many followers mm -hmm. do I have? How many likes do I have? How many comments? And nowadays, it's like it's just information overload where it's like I don't. Yeah. I, I don't even have time to look over that kind of stuff. And, but it is what, what, what you could realize though, is like if you're posting different types of content, you can see what's more engaging and then you could try to replicate that. Mm -hmm. uh, like if, like a few days ago, like I had a video of me asking people questions in, on uh, in Santa Monica beach. Loved it. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that one did really well for like a video um, of mine asking people. And I'm like, this is great. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have to do more of these. Uh, so um, I even had like the senior director of logistics at Walmart reshare that. Um, so like, you know, in terms of just like potential customers for, for warp or like, this is just perfect. Um, and so like, that's why I, I think it's important to see what works and what doesn't. Like mm -hmm. if you're posting something that is getting very little engagement and you keep repeating that, you know, it's probably best to, to focus on something else. I was actually listening to a podcast today really good podcast. It's, uh, it's a daily marketing podcast. It's super short, but it was, it was talking about how like, like Gary Vee always talks about putting out content no matter what every day, but this guy's like, like, yeah, that's fine. But don't like, if you see that something's not working, don't continuously put it out. Like mm -hmm. you got to change something up. Uh, yeah. you know, you can't, yeah. don't, don't put out the same bad video every time. Uh, <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna get more engagement next time. Yeah. Uh, try to figure out what, what's going to work. Um, and so, it's all about if you're going to look at engagements, 
figure out which posted well and try to create more content related to that. Yeah, love that. Is there anything that you're using from your side, Blythe, like tools wise that you're like, oh man, really hold on to this, like in terms of my iterative process or or what have you? Well, I will say that one of the best, I think, creators that's on LinkedIn and really Twitter too is a guy named Justin Welsh. If any of you guys are not following him already, go follow. He's an instant follow. Um, mm. But he drops so many different gems. And, and one of the things he was talking about the other day was all the tools that he uses because he tries to, you know, through some of his messaging, um, he tries to not use as many tools because there's so many tools tools out there um, for marketing. And you can get, you know, to Paul's point, you can get overwhelmed by too much data. And so Mm. you have to make sure that the data that you're getting is actionable. And one of the tools, speaking of Justin Welsh, that he mentioned the other day is uh, Shield Analytics, which Mm. is uh, a LinkedIn analytics provider for your personal account. A lot of analytics tools out there really only focus on the business page. And the business page will just never have as much engagement as your own personal page. You can get it to where it's Mm -hmm. a good place, but it's just not realistic, I think, for a lot of company pages to make it there. So, you know, utilizing your personal pages and this kind of insight that I get you know, the, the posts that have done really well. I mean, they've, they've dat- I'm on like the trial period right now, but I already know over the last year which posts have performed the best, got the most comments. I can click mm. on them immediately. And then knowing that insight, you also have to play a role with the, or not play a role, but know how the algorithm plays a role in your marketing sure. as well. Sure. Because the people that saw whatever you posted there's a good portion of them that did not see that post. So what Justin Welsh preaches and what I'm going to start experimenting with is after three, once a month, he will sit down and look at the top performing posts from three months ago. And mm-hmm. then he'll take those same posts and he'll reiterate on them mm-hmm. or he'll just straight up just cop slightly tweak the same exact yeah. post and then just schedule it again for that coming month. So when you're thinking of it from the lens of, okay, well, I need to post on LinkedIn every day. That's 30 posts, give or take. Mm -hmm. And I can pick from, you know, the 10 top performing posts from three months ago. Most people are not going to remember that post from three months ago because nobody remembers your content like you do. And so taking those top 10 performing posts, you can load them in to the coming month, knowing that the majority of your audience probably didn't see those posts. They already performed pretty well. And so I think that finding tools like that, like Shield Analytics is one of those things where it's like, okay, well, this is this is a, a tool that can make my marketing actionable. I think there's too many marketing tools out there that just are a bunch of noise and they don't help with what you should post and what is working the best and what's working the least. So you could do more of what works and do less of, you know, what doesn't. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. Like tools that inform like your next step, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are always some of the best tools, right? It takes away some of that, you know, critical thinking or thinking in the moment or overthinking or overanalyzing and just says, all right, let's find these patterns. And then we just start replicating that. So I love that. And uh, so, yeah, Shield Analytics, great, yes. <laughs> great applicable. That's, that's awesome. Um, Should really have cool. an affiliate deal with them or something. Yeah, there we go. Okay, it's missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll say like that. I read that quote that you said a while ago um, about um, nobody remembers your content like you remember your content. Mm. And I did, I started doing exactly what you said. Like I'll go through my past posts over the past several months. And just like you suggested, I'll see what performed well. I'll kind of iterate them a little bit. 
throw them back out there and lo and behold, they perform well again. So it's like the secret trip trick that people were using that I had no idea about. <laughs> and um, then that's one of the bigger intimidation factors is people sit down on the computer and they, they know that they, it's important, but they don't know what to talk about. So if you just spend, you know, a couple hours each month, mm-hmm. just going working through that process, then you could have the majority of your content written out and on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's amazing how well that actually does work. Um <laughs> The next, so like the next question we had here kind of ties together two separate concepts. So you've got branding and then you've got marketing. And Blythe, I'll throw this at you. Like, how does your branding relate to your marketing strategy? I think it it's all interconnected. I, I don't really think of them as separate. I, I think of my marketing is, you know, having those customer conversations. What do they want to know from me? And then that drives everything else that, you know, not really drives, you know, everything that I want to be known for, but it's that tight, it's almost like a Venn diagram where like questions that people are asking me, things that I want to be known for. And then, you know, where the business is going in the future. So I try to use like that Venn diagram Mm -hmm. perspective into, you know, having my content buckets and this is what I'm going to talk about. Um, But then I also, I still leave room for myself to be a little personal at times Mm -hmm. and share some behind the scenes. Cause I feel like that also helps, you know, to create more relatability um, I had a post that, you know, a lot of people were were interested in relative to me, not relative to like Paul's account, because he just gets massive engagement on all of his stuff. But for me, this was a really good one about my my YouTube studio and a box kit. You know, there are, I think there are a lot of creators out there, you know, like us that are one person operations and we don't have the budget for a full production studio or to be able to rent booth space at a conference. It's just us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what helped people resonate with that. So for a lot of my marketing, some of it has shifted to how do I help who I was, you know, 10 years ago when I was an assistant at, you know, a a 3PL office, what did I want to know? What did I need help with? And so that's the, that's where an example of how, you know, maybe that wasn't messaging in the beginning for digital dispatch, but it is now. Um, and it's a, a stronger focus because of it, because of all of the different, you know, sort of industry things that are going on, you know, great resignation, possible recession in the future. How are these one person marketing teams going to survive? And so that's what I want to help is those one person marketers in freight. Um, so I try to just walk that tight, tightrope balance and use a Venn diagram really of, of, you know, what my customers and prospects are asking and then what do I want to be known for? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, wild card question here, but I think it it it's interesting. Like hearing you say, okay, you know, ten years ago, I was, you know, was EA at a three PL, you know, to now, and like you have this passion for you know helping those like one person marketing teams, right? So it kind of makes me think, like, is there anything from both of your guys' perspectives that you still see as like a really green pasture in our space? Like you, you made a, a post, like I think it was yesterday. And I was like, oh man, we're still only scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. So like, are there any areas that you guys see as like, man, this could be really cool. And like, this could be something that a, a, a brand could fill or a content creator could fill. Like, is there anything that comes to mind like daily, like in that, in that realm? Uh, I'll go ahead real quick. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think like, just like from the media aspect of logistics, uh, covering it in like a different angle or um, I, so I was actually thinking about it. So there's like transport topics, CCJ freight waves. And I feel like there's still like a lot of room for, cause like 
besides FreightWaves, other like media providers in logistics have been out for like a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. And they have like like a niche audience, either drivers or maybe yeah. like an older population in like the 3PL world. Uh, but I, I feel like there's a, a massive, and that's like what I've been trying to hit on with Freight Caviar is like really get with the freight brokers and the dispatchers and the truck drivers that just kind of want more like humor and like kind of light content. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a lot of, and there's also a lot of room for just like a personal brand, like the freight yeah. coach or, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, life with Cyberly, there's a lot of room for personal brands and companies like it, like, mm-hmm. per, like to work with personal brands. Uh, so I think there's a lot of room for that because the industry is so big and there's like, as yeah. long as you're well connected and you have like your own brand, I, I think there's for that, for that, there's a lot of room. still. love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's only like 60 type like freight style podcasts that are out there. When you compare that to really like any other industry, there's a lot of stories that can be told. And, you know, I, I think it sort of goes back to to Zach, your, your point earlier that, you know, with collaboration over competition, like there's plenty of mm-hmm. room for all of us to sit at the table and to have these different conversations because the beauty about freight is that it's always evolving and it's always mm-hmm. changing and you know telling those stories they need to be told more often it's only within the last couple of years that supply chain has really gone quote unquote mainstream where you know i have friends who have never known what I do for a living are asking me about what's going on at the ports. And I'm like, hell if I know, they don't even know what's going on at the ports either. So (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like, we need more voices in this space to understand where their Mm -hmm. stuff comes from and where it's sourced and how it arrives there. I think people just for so long, the overwhelming majority of the population has just, you know, assumed that it was a very simple process um, but there's all those different stories that can be told for sort of the greater awareness of, of the masses. Um, cause you know, even working inside of a logistics company, I just sort of admitted that I didn't really know what a lot of different roles were yeah. back in my early days of marketing. And I didn't really prioritize learning about those roles. And I should have, um, now just put that on steroids with the majority of the population who has no idea how any of this works. So there's so much room for more stories to be told and more experiences, um, and I, I think it's just, uh, like you said, Zach, we're barely scratching the surface. Yeah. 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 So good. Um, all right. So let's, let's dive back into, uh, you know, kind of this branding side of things, right? So we've talked a little bit about personal branding. We've talked about branding like in general. So I want to, I want to ask a question that, you know, kind of hits at like the bridge between those two. So I think it's interesting because, you know, both, both of you guys, are, are kind of bridging a gap between like you have a personal brand that you are managing and like putting out there and like producing content and pushing that into the world. But then you're also part of a team with their own brand identity that probably has, you know, founders that have identity mixed into it that has their own voice. So how do you guys, um, you know, balance the content production of both your personal brand and, you know, a company brand and keep that fresh and keep that exciting between those two? Who wants to go first? I I would say repurposing Um, your your distribution of your content and repurposing of what you want your brand to be known for and what you want to be known for. There's a lot of synergies there and you can repurpose, 
you know, whatever's working on your personal profile, I'm starting to repurpose to mm-hmm. my business profile because I've spent so long building my personal profile that I've let my business, especially like on LinkedIn, I've let the business profile just sort of be stagnant, just sort of, you know, sit there yeah. not doing much with it. So now I'm in the process of, okay, I feel like my personal brand is in a good place. So now we need to hone in on the company brand as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, it's, it's, it's again, walking a tightrope, but I would not be scared to use user generated content. Meaning if you have um, drivers or employees that are already making content out there, it is such a no brainer to help them as sort of be your internal brand ambassadors, reuse the content with their permission, of course, reuse their content that's already performing well, use it on your own company profile, as long as it fits within what you want your brand buckets to be. I think that that's a huge missed opportunity, especially from the driver situation. Drivers have hands down the best social media in this industry, and Mm -hmm. they are highly underutilized when it comes to influencer deals, when it comes to sponsorships. And uh, speaking of scratching the surface, like these guys and and gals have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter, on TikTok, all of these different platforms that you're trying to reach. And what better way to reach them? By connecting with them on their own platform and or their own audience. And so I think that there's still so much room to grow, but repurposing and and the distribution of that content is is vital. Yeah. I love that. Paul, how do you how do you approach that balance between the two? Okay. Uh Zachary, can you just real quick also repeat the question? I'm sorry, it's 10 p.m. out here. I've been up for like 14 hours in jet lag. (laughs) If you could just I just want to answer it properly without you know, so real quick, if you just asking that question. Yeah, of course. So, so you guys represent, right. A personal brand. So like, let's say great caviar, right. Like like that's, that's kind of a personal brand, but then you're also part of producing content and pushing content for like a company brand like warp. Right. So how do you balance those two and, you know, keep it fresh and keep it exciting for that content that you're in charge of, you know, producing. Sure. So for great caviar, like absolute freedom, whatever I want, I can post on it. Uh, with Warp, um, as I usually have to talk to uh, Troy, uh, who's kind of like, uh, well, he's he's like my manager. So um, there, I, I get rejections. Like I would say, like it's like fifty percent, maybe lower of like the stuff that I send him. He like approves. So like today, I sent him a video that like we like spent two hours on, like Derek and I, like uh, my videographer, were spent like, two hours on. He's like, absolutely not. We're not posting this. I'm like, all right. Well, like, that was two hours wasted. But it was, it, I mean, in my opinion, like, it's a cool video. But obviously, it's his company. So it's kind of his vision. He's had a different vision for it, which I respect. You know, like, I'm not, like, but for free caviar, it's, um, I mean, repurposing is definitely great. Like, so when I can't come up with, like, a meme, um, and I see, like, a funny meme from, like, a different, there's a lot of free meme pages on Instagram. I'll just take it and I'll uh, I'll tag the person who made it, and you know they're always so happy when I tag them because they get like hundreds of followers, and they're like yeah. message me all thanks for tagging me, thanks for reposting this, and you know for me it's like there's so much good content out there if you could just be a curator of like putting it together, just mm-hmm. showcasing it to people, like people are, are going to appreciate that, and that's why even like there's there's just so much content creating logistics if you just you don't even have to create content if you're just able to take the most interesting content or I guess it's all relative, but if if you could just take whatever is most interesting to you and put it out there, people are going to be attracted to that. Just because then you could be you you could be the filter of content, right? Mm-hmm. Like like literally, if you have a good judgment of what's good and what's bad, and 
with this industry being so big, people are going to, yeah. you know, yeah. but in terms of differentiating for my personal stuff, I usually just put more like personal, like maybe conversations, like free caviar is more like, it's a little bit different than my personal stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. I reshare it. I don't really have like a process that I follow. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like, yeah know which one mm-hmm. goes where so yeah that's yeah. free form but I, I think like what i like that you guys are both hitting on right like there's there's um kind of a balance between like content production but then also content curation right mm-hmm. how do you uh-huh. curate content that's appropriate for the audience even if it is repurposed or just tagging another channel right still hearing your audience and being able to curate content that they're going to like respond to is is still super powerful so yeah that's okay. great um awesome okay so Getting to kind of the last couple questions here. Um, so are, are there examples, you know, from, from your guys' perspective of like some of your like favorite branding right now that's like going on in the industry, right? Again, like this is such a concept for some like in the industry that it's so new, right? Like even being able to like use these words and like definitions of branding. So like what are some of those like fun examples for you guys that, you know, come to mind and you're like, man, that's a really cool brand and like they're, they're putting out some cool stuff. Oh, I think hands down right now, Freyvana is killing it. Mm. I think all of their, you know, they, they sort of exploded out of, you know, nowhere to me um, really over like the last, you know, sort of handful of months. Um, but really, if you look at like their LinkedIn profiles, they all have like the similar like yellow background from their logo. Um, they're all, you know, sort of commenting on each other's posts and that helps engagement. Um, they're actively out there, you know, connecting with other folks and, you know, volunteering themselves to, you know, be on different podcast episodes and, you know, videos and shows and things like that. They are putting themselves out there. And I think from a branding perspective, they're just knocking it out of the park. So I, you know, Freightvana comes to mind. I would also say, you know, Charlie Safro um, with, with her recruiting firm, I think, you know, comes to mind as well. Obviously, you know, freight coach Chris Jolly is, is, a, is a big one as well. Th- those are just the ones that I can think of, you know, sort of off the top of my head. Um, but those are all just, you know, great examples to follow, especially from like a broker perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some, like really good examples. And like, it's cool. Like the freight bond example, right? Like they're people like they're having fun doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they're just being genuinely like who they are right? Like from meeting them in person to seeing their contents. Like, Oh, like that's them. So it's really cool to see those brands, you know, come to the surface. And that would be a place that like most folks would see that content and want to go work there. Like think of how many right. companies are struggling right now with recruiting and with mm-hmm. um, talent retention. And right now their, their content is probably working for them whenever they mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to work. It's working, you know, that, that 365, 24, seven. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I would say that really any broker right now who's leveraging content that way jumps out to me immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, Freight Vana, of yeah. course, Sage Freight. I see their videos up on LinkedIn periodically. I, they jump out at me. Yeah. And, and like the bar, I don't want to say the bar is so low because it sounds bad because like those, <laughs> those brokers are doing a really good job. But there are so few doing it to yes. me. Whoever's doing it immediately jumps out. 100%. Okay. I, I posted a photo about socks freight socks and people I'm now getting sent socks from different freight companies conferences. and I'm like, this is what, if I tried to do this in like sports entertainment, it would ghost town, but yeah. you know, in freight it works. So take advantage of all of these different opportunities that are out here right now. That's so I, cool. I like socks. I should do that. <laughs> 
I can't wait to start my uh, my freight karaoke uh, three line. Just for you, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anything that jumps out to you, Paul? Um, I guess a lot of things jump out to me. I'm like definitely free bonus crushing it, and it was it was cool to hang out with them at TIA uh, with the team out there. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely a few in mind. I don't want to like I don't know. I'm just gonna like give a shout out to people that like like companies that utilize me for for branding or marketing just because I think the ones that do like see like the freight tiger potential see uh kind of like the millennial like population like the barstool sports population like yeah they it's it's kind of like a different way a different approach it's not the professional way as LinkedIn has always been, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely want to give a shout out to Ascend TMS uh, Mm -hmm. because Tim Hyam, like he, he wanted to sponsor me from like the get go and he he loved what I was doing. So I I think that's cool for him. And he he does, he does a really good job of really like getting the information out there. Like everyone seems to to know Ascend TMS, uh, the free TMS.com. Then also uh, Ryan from Textlocate, uh, he's, he he was one of the first people to message me on Instagram back in August. He's like, like I, I want you to like, you know, I, I want to your sponsor. Yeah, text okay. Uh, I got my, uh, yeah, I got the, the text. Oh yeah, right here. Nice. Um, yeah, and then I mean, on top of that, uh, I think I think there's some trucking companies that do well on Instagram, uh, but they're like they're not really on LinkedIn. I feel like trucking companies don't really like. There's a few trucking companies on LinkedIn, but for some reason they don't really like. They don't spend that much time on there as, as like mm-hmm. freight brokers and like people that in the freight tech industry do. Yeah. So. There you go. Green pasture right there. Um, so hopefully we see some of that come to the surface in the coming year as we continually evolve. So with that, so we uh, we do a segment uh, just to cover some hot words and phrases in the industry, right? So as our industry evolves, it's always an interesting thing to see the through lines and how language also evolves, right? So Nick and I joke often like words like visibility, right? Like it comes to the surface and everyone uses it. And then at some point you ask like, what does visibility actually mean anymore? And what should it mean, right? So to close our our segment and our session today on branding, we're going to be throwing some hot words and phrases with you. And I have two buckets here. So there's some freight buzzwords that I want to ask you guys like, hey, give me your 30 to 45 second. What does it mean? What should it mean? And then um, we also have marketing brand words where same thing. Let's do 30 to 45 second quick definition. What should it mean? Um, and you know, and then that's how we're going to kind of close out the segment. Does that sound good to you guys? Let's do it. (laughs) All right, here we go. We're going to kind of try to do these rapid fire. So let's start with a marketing one. Uh, so Blythe, starting with you growth hacking. This is one that pops up so often. I think especially like in the, in the tech startup world, you know, Oh, we're, we're diving into some growth hacking. What, what does that even mean? I more lean to like the latter part of that word and it's your hack. <laughs> um, 
I just don't believe in these. When I think of growth hacking, I think of almost like the fake gurus that Mm. are promoting like, you know, the Lamborghini lifestyle and earn six figures with working two hours a day. That's how I think of like growth hacking and, you know, the, the content that sort of arrives around it. Content is, is, is hard and you have to work at it. You have to get your at bats, as Paul said, and there's really no way to hack that system. So when folks call themselves like growth hackers, I mean, no, no offense to anybody who does out there, but, um, I, I kind of call bullshit. (laughs) There you go. I love it. (laughs) Good. That's, that's a good, that's a good start. All right, Paul, one for you. Content is king. We hear this one too. Like, Hey, content is king. You gotta, gotta have a lot of content. What does that mean to you? Uh, content is king. Uh, well, a lot of people tend to associate, like, they just, like, put out content no matter what. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of, I prefer the quality over quantity approach where no one wants to see bad content. Uh, I mean, bad content could have its advantages where, like, you might be known for bad content and then people might be like, let's see what kind of bad content this person put out today kind of thing. <laughs> or it might, it might work. The hate somehow, follows. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, definitely, you definitely have to be posting content. Uh, it's definitely overused. Uh, I would, I would say content. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's content is, it's, it's a funny thing. Content is king. I don't who even made yeah. that up. Like, <laughs> it's just one of the, it's a platitude, right? I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just, it's a throwaway thing. Mm-hmm. Quality, yeah, yeah. quality. Yeah. Do your thing. That's good. You gave it, you gave us what we needed, Paul. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Blythe, this one is a hundred percent yours. This is your passion. Content marketing. What's the definition? Like shed some light on that for us. Content marketing is creating Content online that you care about, that you want to know about, or that what you care about, what you want your customers to know about you, and that ultimately drives business results. Love it. Because otherwise, you're just, it's a hobby if you're just making content without the goal of ultimately, you know, building an audience and then monetizing that audience, whatever ethical or unethical way that you deem appropriate. There you go. Well said. All right. Here's one for both of you. This We're going to dive into the freight buzzwords bucket now. Okay. okay. This is one of my favorite because I think I, I see this a ton on LinkedIn, especially, but it's, it's, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's all over the place. <laughs> tech enabled. It's just, it's, it gets tossed everywhere. So what is a tech enabled broker? What should tech enabled mean? Like truly uh, let's start with you Blythe and then we'll move to Paul. Um, when I hear tech enabled, I just think that you have a TMS and you have tracking ability. So that's ultimately like what you need to operate your business and then, um, what your customers want from you. So as long as you have those two things, I think, you know, that qualifies as tech enabled, um, sort of a meh word in my opinion, like use software to help you figure out how to say that differently. I don't, I don't think there's a freight broker out there that's not tech enabled, you know? So, um, you know, maybe, maybe 20 years ago, tech enabled would be like a sexy, buzzword to throw around at a customer, but yeah. tech enabled. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, people like, especially when, when you're a young freight broker, you're scrappy, you try to like put all these buzzwords in just to make your your company sound better. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely, if, if anyone's starting a freight brokerage right now or considering it or you using it right now, like tech enabled, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Like yeah. you're not, you're not differentiating yourself. Yeah. With, with just that. list the tech that you actually use and yeah, cut the buzzwords. Exactly. 
feels a little light. Yeah, <laughs> one of my uh, favorite things we did an episode with Grace Sharkey, and she said, you know, Excel spreadsheet, that's technology. So if you're using Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> you're tech enabled. Yeah. Right. Do you have a cell phone? You are tech enabled. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, what about what about on the other side of this? Shipper of choice. This was one that you threw out, Nick. Do you want to give any context to this one? Yeah, I'll give context to shipper of choice. Um, so to me, shipper of choice is one of those words that varies almost uh, along with how the market changes. You know, mm-hmm. when it's a tight market, shipper of choice, well, it means you really care about the drivers. It means you're trying to reduce detention times. It means you're doing everything you can to service those those drivers. But when the market loosens up, I feel like it changes its meaning where it's used slightly differently. You know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's a, there like there's, tons of capacity you have your choice among drivers and it loses some of its meaning so yeah. to me it's a word that kind of changes along with how the market changes yeah love that um in that same line of thought asset light right that's kind of another one that was you know brought up similar to shipper of choice so who wants to take a stab at this one i'm gonna attack it real quick asset light i mean so it's funny um, well, a lot of customers want you to have assets if, mm-hmm. if you're going to come on sign on, especially during this competitive uh, market where there's so many free brokers, free brokerages that exist. And I mean, asset light for me just probably means that like you have probably like, a third cousin or like someone, <laughs> some some good friend that has a few trucks that you could put like, oh, I have assets. Uh, in reality, it probably means that you don't have assets, but you have a really close friend that does have assets. So you put it out there because you want your customer to know that or to think that you do have your own truck. 100%. That is 100%. Because I remember making a website uh, for my old employer and and we started off with Asset Light and he was very in- enthusiastic about using that word and that phrase. Yeah. Um, and then when we became asset-based, which is ultimately the downfall of the company, uh, go figure. But when we became asset-based, I had to then go in and change all the verbiage <laughs> and all of the, the different marketing materials to asset-based. Yeah, yeah, it's like, go. hey, I have a truck on my website. Does that count as asset light? Sure. <laughs> I love it. All right. All right. Here's, here's the last one that we're going to do. And I feel like um, a lot of times when I talk to brokers about marketing strategy, this one gets a lot of questions around. And I think you touched on this a little bit, Blythe. But SEO. What is SEO? Give us just our quick definition that we can all run away with. Um, probably the most over-invested content marketing strategy in the modern day era. Um, and I say all of that because it's a word salad, but uh, SEO, in my opinion, gets way too much credit than uh, ultimately what it rightfully deserves. Because if you are putting content out into the world, if you are advertising, if you're doing all the things Naturally, what people do is they Google your company and then they arrive on your website. And if they're ready to make a purchase or book a meeting, then SEO will get that credit in your marketing reports when in reality, there are so many other factors that played a role. And ultimately, executives are making budgeting decisions based off of inaccurate data. Um, I think SEO is important to a certain degree, but the amount of budget that is put to SEO, I think would be much better spent um, on a real sort of content marketing plan by talking to your customers and doing video interviews and chopping those up and putting Mm -hmm. those out to social media. That's um, where I would spend my attention dollars and, you know, money budgetary wise. Um, So I think it's an overinvested part of marketing. 
Love that. I just want to add real quick, not to that steal, but all these buzzwords, like at some point might have been, you know, cool and unique, but, um, you know, they get overused Mm because people like pick up on it. Like, oh, this is working for someone. I'm going to just take it. And all of a sudden everyone's using an industry. So you're not being unique. If anything, I would just tell someone to create their own buzzword and just try to play along with it. So (laughs) it's kind of like how Ryan does on LinkedIn. (laughs) And it's also from an SEO perspective, I feel like, you know, sort of freight has a long way to go. And I could speak on this for, for so much longer, but I'll, I'll cut it short. Like That is one of SEO is one of the, the questions that I get asked about the most and that I yeah. have to explain that if you go to an SEO agency and invest thousands and thousands of dollars per month, you're not going to get that investment back. You have to diversify where you're investing and why. And SEO in particular is just... It was very good 10 years ago. Now we have software that can write up. Uh, I did it just the other day, at, at, at doing a test, a thousand word blog article on freight marketing. And mm. I have yet to publish it because it was generated by an AI software. And it, this is what's coming to the world of content, um, especially for those who don't feel comfortable making their own then they're going to start utilizing this software in order to make the same bland content over and over again, just trying to write for robots yeah. instead of writing for people. Um, so that's, yeah. that's my soapbox. And as long as you're making content for, you know, people instead of robots, then that is the content strategy that you should be targeting. Yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. Make it human. Understand yes. your audience. Listen so, to them. I've used an AI to create content and I, I use a free week trial. I'm like, this is not like, I don't want to read this. This is so bland. This is mm-hmm. like, you can tell yeah. it's a robot. And with every co- company having a blog that, you know, is essentially the blog of the same thing. If you're going to have a blog and an SEO, you have to have like unique content mm-hmm. uh, with some buzzwords though. So but, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you got to play the game somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks guys for giving us your, your thoughts on that and doing this little rapid fire game. Um, so, I mean, there was just so many uh, like through lines that I feel like we could take one of them and spend a couple hours on today. So, you know, t- two, two of the things that I think I'm taking away, you know, from today, right, that, you know, we always want to get back to like applicables and what what can a 3PL or freight tech or, or a, a trucking asset based company, what can they take into the real world? So like two things that I really heard today from you guys is. Number one, you know, as as we're approaching branding and, and shaping branding as companies, right, we have to listen to our audience to understand, like, you know, the content that they want and the, the hunger that's there, right, in order to fill a gap. And then the second part of that that I think, you know, really resonated from what you guys were saying was, you know, not only listen to your audience, but you have to be willing to iterate and, like, get over that imposter syndrome and put stuff out there. So, like... If there's anything that folks that are watching this is, I think this is the best invitation to just like, we need more in this space, mm-hmm. right? I think we're all in agreement on that. So um, those were a couple of things that stuck out to me that I thought were really great. Nick, was there anything that stuck out to you today as a great takeaway? I mean, you hit the nail on the head, I think. The biggest thing for me was the idea that like you have to be doing something. I mean, there is definitely imposter syndrome. There's definitely some reluctance to get out there, but there are so few people like in this industry putting out content and building their own brands and their company brands that anything you do is at least a step in the right direction. It's hugely important for everybody to get on board with it. 
like if they want to succeed in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, good deal. So that is going to wrap us up today. Uh, Blythe, Paul, thank you guys so much for taking part. This was a really cool conversation and I hope that we can continue chatting and maybe even do a second episode as our you know space evolves. Maybe there's going to be some cool stuff that we can chat about in the future. Um, but Paul, where can people check you out? Where can people catch you and the content that you're putting out? Follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Freight Caviar, Instagram at Freight Caviar. Uh, everything else is like for YouTube, Spotify, all the stuff info's in there. So awesome. Good deal. And Blythe, where can people catch you? Everything is logistics.com. I just made my own like sort of link tree uh, to do to list logistics. all of the things that I do. So uh, it's like a one page, simple, super simple website, but it has Cyberly on there. It has a digital dispatch podcast, all my socials. Um, that's sort of the home for all of the content that I make. So everything is logistics.com. Man, that's amazing. Great domain. Great domain. <laughs> Good deal. Yeah. Thank you guys for everything today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. And if you did like it, I would love if you could rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify. It'll take you like two minutes of your time, but it helps a ton for a creator like me to be able to show that review like a badge of honor. And it also helps the show get discovered by others. If you'd like to see more of my work, head on over to digitaldispatch.io. I've got some new content collections under the resources tab for folks who are freight brokers, truckers, carriers, freight agents, and also a best of collection for how to fix your website and how to fix your marketing. It's all completely free. And again, that tab is under resources over on the digitaldispatch.io website. The website also includes some links to our social media accounts along with my products and services in case any of that is of interest to you. Once again, my name is Blythe Bremley and I thank you for sharing your attention with me today. Until next time, have a magical day.